The Wolves, they win a close one on the road to the Hornets, 123-117. I got Wolves expert Jack Borman to help me break it all down. And it's all coming up next on the Locked On Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 15 and 4 overall, 6 and 3 on the road. Wolves take care of business. First, the Hornets tonight, 123 117. What's happening, everyone? Thanks for joining. Back in the lab, back at it. Another T Wolves postcast right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman, on Twitter, at JR Borman 13. Quick reminder before we jump into all the action tonight's episode, brought to us by Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. All right, let's jump right into this one. Lot to cover. Wolves win at 123-117. Cat, 28. Rudy, 26. Nas, 23. The big three combined for 77 of the team's points. And Jack, I mean, I'm going to call a spade a spade, man. I watched this one. This Felt like another game the Wolves probably lose a year ago. In fact, they did lose to this team a year ago on the road. I know everybody's sick of that conversation, but this was just another game that the Wolves had to come in and just take care of business on the road. Hope they they would come out and kind of make a statement early, steal some of their confidence. They got up 10 with just a few minutes uh, left in the first quarter, but Hornets, man, they just wouldn't go away. A lot of mini spurts throughout this one. Over 10 lead changes in this one as well. So a lot of back and forth. It did come down to the final three minutes. Give me your biggest takeaways, though, kind of the major headlines from another successful night on the road. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally fine having that conversation considering that it's going from a negative to a positive, yeah, right? right? And, and it's, I mean, it's, you know, we can sit here and say it all the time, but it's true, right? I mean, this is just not a game that the Timberwolves win a year ago. I think that this team is just so confident in who they are right now that, um, you know, that they just kind of grind teams down at the end of the game. And that's that's what we saw, right? And it's and it's to a point where they've got so much veteran, uh, you know, so much veteran presence on the floor. I mean, specifically at the end of this one with Mike Conley and Troy Brown and Kyle Anderson, Carl Anthony Towns and, and Rudy Gobert, all five of those guys made huge plays down the stretch of the game, which is exactly what you want, right? It's not just, you know, one guy doing all the work and four guys kind of following suit. Um, you know, all, all five guys had their moment in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, I mean, you nailed it off the top with the biggest takeaway from this one is just how impactful the three bigs were. 77 points on 49 shots, 63% uh, field goal percentage, which is what you want. Um from them, we had we had three assists from Carl Anthony Towns to Rudy Gobert, um, which was awesome to see. Had that incredible alley oop kind of through the trees, uh, which was which was really fun to see. And then, um, and then I think having really consistent production from you know your your non stars in this one too, I think was really important. I mean, starting with Troy Brown Jr. had nine points, three rebounds, um, had that huge offensive rebound and three pointer in, in the fourth quarter to kind of help. Um, create some breathing room um, that I think was was probably the difference in them winning this game. Uh, Mike Conley, 14 points, uh, eight of them in the fourth quarter, along with four assists and zero turnovers in the fourth. Uh, so he created 18 of the team's 35 fourth quarter points. Um, and then Kyle Anderson was kind of a, you know, kind of a pressure reliever in, in that 
he had some some really important attacks and getting to the free throw line in important moments. He had 11 points, six rebounds, four assists, was seven of seven from the free throw line, which is a huge uh, improvement for uh, for him. And then, you know, obviously, Nasri, what more can you say about the guy, right? I mean, it was just one of those games where it felt like every single time he touched the ball, he was going to score. Um, and, and that's, I mean, those games are just the best, right? They're so much fun to watch when Nas has it rolling. 23 points on nine of 14 shooting. Um, got it done, you know, really at all three levels of the floor, which was uh, which was just a ton of fun to watch. Um, so, and then again, I mean, the, the, the other big takeaway here in this one is just how dominant Rudy Gobert has been in the fourth quarter uh, of games on both ends of the floor. Um, I mean, guys were just pissing down their leg at the side of Rudy Gobert, uh, defending the rim in the fourth quarter again tonight. Um, he's just been incredible all season long. And um, I mean, I, I just don't know what more there is to say about the guy other than I think he's a clear front runner for defensive player of the year. Um, and a big difference this year that we're seeing from him compared to last year is not only is he contesting shots like a madman, he's also, you know, doing so while staying in good rebounding position. There were several times in the second half tonight where he, you know, did a great job contesting a shot and then came away with a rebound. He did that a few times, um, you know, once we got into that kind of clutch time, uh, you know, under five minutes to go, which was which was awesome. So total team effort tonight. Um, another really, really impressive win down down your, you know, two two big young stars in Anthony Edwards and Jim McDaniels. Yeah, I want to touch on a couple of those topics a little bit more in depth here, especially Rudy a little bit later on. But you know what I love? And I know, again, people want to stop talking about last year, but the shift from last year to now in this business style of approach, you can just see it in these guys right now. They know full well they're red hot right now. But you can also tell they understand they haven't done anything yet. No major goals accomplished. There's a long way to go. What's been the drastic change in maturity and, and professionalism, I guess. Who's, who's this on the coach, Chris Finch, the players, the seasoned vets like Conley and Rudy on and off the court, who should I give this credit to? Because it's felt like a big one eighty. Yeah, I think it, I think everything starts with, with Mike Conley. Um, you know, I, I really just can't over, it's impossible to overstate how big of a difference mm. in maturity there is between D'Angelo Russell and Mike, Mike Conley. Uh, and, and what the impact of the of that position and that, I, I guess, upgrade has had on the whole entire roster, right? I think, you know, Conley is a guy who obviously has been awesome on the floor. He's been lights out from three, even though he's struggled the last couple of games. Uh, he's just such a such a calm operator in the half court, kind of knows who to get the ball to and in what spots. And all that's important, obviously, right? But I think just what he's done off the floor in the locker room and, and kind of you know, fusing all the different parts of this team together, kind of getting everybody on the, you know, in the locker room to understand what this group is capable of. I mean, he's been on a bunch of amazing teams, you know, throughout his career, uh, but played with a ton of awesome players and, and understands how unique this group is and how, you know, deep and talented they are. And I think that, you know, when you have a guy like that in your locker room as the leading voice, it just permeates down pretty quickly, right? You have a bunch of guys in this team that have bought into the role you know, Nazarita said it like everybody's gotten paid that needs to get paid. Um, and, and that has a huge impact. Right. And you have, you know, it's huge to have guys like Kyle Anderson and Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. And Nikhil Alexander Walker, who all, you know, really know their role and, and enjoy their role and buy into their role and aren't complaining about their role. Um, and same goes for Nazarita as well. I mean, guys playing around stars, um, that's really, really important. And so, I think it's just a confluence of all those different factors that have been really important. Um, 
And then I, I like it might sound weird, but I think that there's more of a maturity in being a really sound defensive team because that's so much mm-hmm. more of a collective exercise yeah. than just being kind of this run and gun offensive, you know, team where you can you know, kind of lean on a guy or two to get you through. I think obviously they've leaned on Rudy Gobert quite a bit defensively, but you know, this team is so locked in and so connected on that end of the floor, especially down the stretch of these close games. Um and I think that when you're together there, it's much easier to be together offensively. And I think, I don't know, that might be a weird take, but um, it's just kind of something that keeps coming back to me. No, I get that. That makes sense. And you heard on the broadcast, the final minutes, they're down three. Finch just hammering home during that timeout, playing suffocating defense, which they did. They end up coming back and winning, obviously. I ask you a lot about how good this defense has been. You just kind of touched on a little bit more, but we haven't really seen them without Ant and Jaden much at all, both those guys together, just one game. What's your thoughts been on the defense, I guess, without those two starters from what you've seen? From who, I'm sorry? Well, just the defense as a whole without Ant and Jaden. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's it's been really important that Nikhil Alexander-Walker stayed out of foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Um you know, obviously what he can do and the way that he can impact the game is really, really important. Um, you know, just because you're missing your two best on ball guys, probably when they're, when they're both really locked in. Um, and I think too, uh, the fact that you have guys like Troy Brown Jr. And Kyle Anderson, who are both, I, I want to say TBJ is like six, seven and Kyle Anderson's like six, eight, six, nine, but they can both move their feet and they both can guard, you know, Troy Brown Jr. can probably guard one through three and a half, and Kyle Anderson can probably guard some slower twos all the way up through through the five, which is really important. And so you've just got a bunch of guys that, um, you know, aren't going to get attacked out there offensively, which I think is really important. Um, and, um, yeah, and then obviously they've just played a short bench, right? They had a 10-man rotation pretty much when when Ant and Jaden were in there because Shake Milton has been playing. Um, and, and now it's, it's down to an eight man rotation. They really only played eight guys tonight. Um, and, and so it, the onus kind of falls on everybody, right? When you're, you're down those two guys and, and you're not really filling those holes with anybody that, that wasn't in there previously. Right. I think it's just everybody, um, you know, really taking it personal on that end of the floor and, and sliding their feet and staying with guys. Um, and I think part of it too, has been a little bit matchup based, right? You know, I think Nikhil can can slide up to, to Jaden's role for the most part with with those guys that they're guarding because they've they've played a lot of teams in this stretch without Jaden McDaniels that have had really elite guard play. And so obviously Nikhil makes more sense on a guard than he does on a, on a bigger, more physical wing, which is someone that we might see Ant take on. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you saw, I think, you know, Miles Bridges, um, you know, made more of an impact uh, in this one, uh, at least earlier on, just because the Timberwolves don't really have um, – Someone without Anthony Edwards that's capable of guarding a quicker, you know, bigger wing, um, mm-hmm. if you will. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, had you seen more of those types of players in this stretch without Jaden and without Ant, um, you know, that'd be that'd be a little bit of a tougher ask, I think. But but because they haven't, um, they've been able to kind of get away with it here. And and now I think you'll see Anthony Edwards be back for that that game on Wednesday. Um, and you mm-hmm. could see Jaden McDaniels potentially. Um, you know, back for that game as well, because we're kind of getting into that two to three week range for him, which is what he was initially, um, you know, expected to return in. I, I think you might see Jaden McDaniels get upgraded to to questionable or doubtful before before you see it. So maybe he comes back Friday against Memphis. But, um, you know, the Spurs have lost 14 games in a row. I, I don't know necessarily that Jaden McDaniels playing or not playing is going to be the difference in the team 
uh, winning or losing, especially considering like, like you were saying the, the way that they've been able to, to kind of stay afloat without, uh, without those two guys. Yeah. So nice to win these games in the meantime without those guys, but just knowing, Hey, maybe only a couple more games till we get both those guys back. Whew, awfully excited. And I remember asking you after Thursday night's game, why aren't we getting the three bigs on the floor? You explained it well, but Finally got it tonight, fourth quarter. I want to say six, seven, eight minutes left in the fourth. And and you're the expert, but it always made sense to me because especially on an off night with no ant, potential trap game on the road, just felt like those were clearly three of your best guys. So why not get them all on the floor together? 77 combined points from those guys. What did you see from that pairing specifically? And I guess anything we can glean on from that department moving forward now off this small little sample size we got tonight. I just think that Finch is willing to do it is probably the biggest takeaway, okay. right? I mean, those guys clearly at that point in the game had been the three best players on the floor for the Timberwolves. And I think, um, you know, I, I guess the biggest takeaway also from that is that Chris Finch feels good about Nasri being able to move his feet as a three, right? And I, I think when, you know, I, I want to say that Charlotte had both Bridges and um, either P.J. Washington. They had two of the th- two of these three on the floor were Hayward bridges in Washington. So you could, and then obviously a center along with those guys. And so you have some bigger, slower of feet guys that I think is a little easier for Carl and Nas to stay with on the perimeter, obviously. So that certainly was part of it. But then what I really liked what Finch did there was he, he also had Troy Brown jr. And Mike Conley in the game as, as two really good floor spacers um, to try to help out on the offensive end of the floor. I think conventional wisdom might've uh, told you that you want to get a really good perimeter defender in there with, uh, with Nikhil Alexander Walker, but with the way Troy Brown Jr. is moving his feet and playing perimeter defense in this game, I, it's easy to see why Finch had complete confidence in him. Not to mention, you know, some of the, you know, things you don't think of, like the corner crashing that Jim Pete talked about. Obviously, had a big offense rebound in that moment, um, but he's also is just really long and made a couple of nice plays. Um, you know, rebounding the ball, collecting a steal in the corner, those types of things, or make him easier, I guess, to to fit in alongside those guys. Um, then also when you, you factor in the three point shooting. So, uh, I, I liked that they, you know, really tried to space out the floor when those guys were out there. Uh, and Carl Anthony Towns really came alive in that three man unit, right? That was when he had that, uh, that ATO three, uh, to cut it from four to one, I believe, uh, and kind of get the wolves, you know, back into the game when it looked like it might slip away from them there. So, um, yeah, just great to see Chris Finch being willing to do it, uh, especially against a team, uh, like Charlotte where the matchup, I think worked out a lot better than it may have if you were playing against a team, you know, that had four smaller guys or, or much quicker guys out there on the floor that could, that could you know, make it more difficult for that, uh, that triumvirate on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. yeah, Well said. And, and I only want 60 seconds on this guy. You already touched on him a little bit. Rudy Gobert though. You want a highlight or a posterized kind of play top three in dunks this year. He had three in the first quarter Ended with at least seven. I may have missed one at the end, but at least seven on my count. Almost doubling his blocks per game from last year to now. 1.4 last year. He's up to 2.3 currently. Four games already with four or more blocks. Last year, he only had four games altogether. So, obviously, you already said it. The the favorite, the front runner right now for Defensive Player of the Year. But talk to me about the two-way player this man has shown he can be on any given night and what that does for the rotation. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the Timberwolves have figured out how to use him above the rim. That was something they didn't really get a chance to do last year. I think him not being healthy was was part of it. But um, So that's been the biggest change offensively. I think he also has been willing to just catch the ball, 
put the ball on the ground once or twice and then dunk over people, which has been huge too. That's another way that they've gotten him involved offensively beyond, you know, him as a screener, obviously. So that's been great. I think he had a season high 26 tonight, which was awesome. Uh, huge on a night without Ant. And then on the other end of the floor, um, I think they've really just understand or gained an understanding of how to play with him, right? When to hand off, def- when to hand off, you know, guys in the drive to Rudy, kind of always knowing where your help is and, and learning that they don't need to help ever when Rudy Gobert has a guy one-on-one, right? He always wants guys to stay spaced, stay on their guys, stay connected. So he can just do his thing in the middle of the floor at the, at the front of the rim. And he's done that all year. Um, and then the biggest other, the, the one other biggest thing, last thing he's defended excellently in space for a guy, his size, when he's been switched out on the perimeter, he's been awesome. He's been up at the level of the screen. He's been awesome. Um, so that's, I, I think those are the two biggest things that have unlocked him uh, on the defensive end of the floor so far this season for the Wolves as well. Yeah, well said. All right, I got a few more for you on this one, but first, quick word from our sponsors over at Game Time. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by Game Time because you should never have to worry when buying tickets to any big event. That's why Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to any local event, concerts, comedy shows, sporting events, even Broadway theater, and with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And personally, Jack, for me, I love that view from the seat feature they offer so I can get a real look, kind of an accurate visual on where my seats are going to be so I know exactly what to expect before spending all that money. And with their all-in prices, Game Time shows you exactly how much you're spending with no hidden fees. It's time to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. See how for, for yourself how easy it is. Just create an account. Use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create any new account. Redeem your code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. Game Time. Terms apply. Hey, just real quick, talk to me about the fast break points tonight. Because, again, Hornets coming into this one, like nothing special, no real identity outside of points in the paint, I guess. But tonight they outscore the Wolves 20-0. to zero. What happened and, and why tonight, I guess on that front, anything to worry about moving forward to the future? Or do you just chalk this up as like a one-night kind of fluky thing? Yeah, I think it's, it's you know, Charlotte contests and releases releases a lot and so what that means is you know if you have a guy shooting a three-pointer right you saw miles bridges do it three or four times tonight where he'll contest a three-point shot and then just start running down the floor right so you're basically conceding that if you give up an offensive rebound it's a five on four um but against a bigger team like minnesota especially when they are going to shoot threes and it's um you know and it's not a big guy that's shooting the three that you know obviously they're gonna have then more ground they have to cover when they're running back in transition that's something that you saw a lot tonight um then i I, and then i want to say that most of the timberwolves turnovers were live ball turnovers which are easier to turn into you know possessions going the other way for points right and so i also think that the timberwolves too were you know doing a good job of you know trying to crash the offensive glass uh and made made the hornets pay there uh i I, what did they have in terms yeah they had 22 uh Mm points or second chance points. So, right. So, I mean, if you're going to score more second chance points than the other team is going to score fast break points, I think you live with that. That's part of the reason why the Timberwolves were able to overcome that. Um, 
but right. I mean, there were just some cherry picking opportunities too that that the Hornets had and took full advantage of. But I, you know, they also have to do a better job of getting back after a make. I think there were th- you know two or three possessions that the Hornets scored in transition, essentially off of a Timberwolves make where they just you know rocketed the ball up the floor and beat beat everyone back, and that just can't happen. And we saw that happen way too much last year, and they've done a great job of uh, of not doing that this season. But um, yeah, I think it's just getting back after a make. I think you'll live with some of the some of the second chance points, especially or excuse me, some of the, the fast break points, especially if they're going to be able to score on second chances like they were tonight. So just get back after a make. And and I think, you know, if teams really want to try to exploit that moving forward, it makes sense as a, as a potential weakness of this team. But I think the Timberwolves are more than capable of being able to make up for that. A lot made this week locally and even nationally in the media about the Wolves month of November. They finished 13 and two best record in Minnesota sports history. November splits eight and one at home, six and one on the road. So winning at home, obviously priority number one, but then beating the teams you're supposed to beat. That was a monster issue for them last year. We've talked about that quite a bit thus far. Feels like they're exercised a lot of demons when it comes to that six and over sub 500 teams last month. You love to see it. And again, doing it without Ant these past two games without Jaden and a handful of these as well. Your final thoughts on like this historic run we just watched. And I guess how realistically can they carry this momentum with them into December and beyond? Yeah, I think that the schedule softened up a little bit for him. Um, you know, to be to be quite honest, like you, you play Golden State without Steph and Clay and Dre, and you play the play the Pelicans twice without Zion, and and you play the Sixers without Joel Embiid. You play a beaten down Memphis squad without you know seven rotation guys, and obviously you mix in some really great wins over Denver and Boston, um, and then the Knicks win I think stands out to me as another really good win. The, the win at the Warriors when everyone was playing was a good win. Um, so obviously, like. I think that, you know, you still look and you're like, wow, this team is really legit. And what they've been able to do is awesome. Um, but I but I, I think that their schedule is going to be a lot tougher in December. And I think they can still continue to, you know, carry that momentum forward in the sense where I do think that they will beat bad teams. They've, they've shown a propensity to be able to do that. Uh, I do think that they will be competitive with a lot of these good teams. Um, but you know, they're going to have to play at new Orleans against Zion. They're going to have to play at Miami, probably with everyone playing there at Philadelphia with everyone playing there at the Kings at Oklahoma city. Um, and then the home games that they have here are, are San Antonio, obviously. And but Indiana is a team that's going to make life really tough for the wolves as the team likes to get up and down a really high octane offensive team. And then, um, the Lakers twice at home, they're never easy to play. So, um, yeah, so I, I certainly think that they'll continue it with a with an above 500 record in December. It's just that I think the quality of teams that they're going to play is much more consistently high. Uh, and, and two, like I, I just am really excited to watch this team play. You know, a, a stretch where they're going to play a lot of good teams in a row, right? And it's going to kind—I of, mean, you don't—it's not obviously going to be like a playoff environment just because you know you're not playing the same team over and over again. But in terms of um, you know, the quality of teams, you know, in the playoffs, you got to play really high quality teams, you know, for, for really long stretches, whether it's two weeks or two months. Right. So I think the Wolves being able to prove that they can be competitive in all these games and, and turn out a, you know, an above 500 record would, would bode really well towards, you know, proving that this team is going to be able to, to do it and, and do it, uh, in, in April and May. So it'll be, it'll be really fun to just kind of see how they, uh, see how that test turns out and, um, and hopefully get get some guys back healthy and and continue then to uh, you know to stay at at full strength for 
you know, as long as they can. Cause you're, I feel like, you know, I don't know if I'm the only one that's kind of waiting for that health shoe to drop where mm-hmm. ants out a month or Carl's out a month or Rudy's out a month or something like that. Um, you know, knock on wood, obviously, but, um, just feels like it happens to every team at some point and it hasn't happened to the Timberwolves yet. So they've just got to keep taking advantage of, of having, uh, their guys healthy and, and together for, um, for long stretches of time, like they have this season. And, and if they're able to do that again in December, it's hard, hard not to think that they're going to, you know, turn out another, you know, 10 and five, 10 and six record, you know, something like that this, this coming month. Uh, do you think the perception on TBJ needs to flip a little bit? It's just kind of an offensive guy, perimeter shooter. From what I've watched, he's he's been pretty rock solid on the perimeter as a defender this year. I know he had nine points all on three-pointers tonight, plus minus of plus 15. That was the highest plus minus on the team tonight. What's your quick thoughts on TBJ as a two-way guy? Yeah, I, I really think he is a two-way guy. I think he's a better defender than Torian Prince. I wasn't as confident that he was going to be able to contribute as much offensively as Torian Prince contributed. Um, just because I, I thought I thought that you know Torian Prince just a much more confident player on that end of the floor, but uh, yeah, he, he's been awesome defensively. I think the way that he's been able to um, to move his feet and stay with guys that are bigger wings that aren't quite as quick has been great. Uh, he, he's slid into that Jane McDaniel's role um, in, in those minutes late in the second quarter and, and into the uh, into the fourth quarter as well, where he's guarding those types of guys that Jaden would have guarded uh, when Nikhil is playing more of that backup point guard role. Uh, which has been great. And, and he's done, he's done an awesome job. So he's, he's a great dude in terms of getting deflections. Um, he has a really good understanding of kind of when to trap and when to stay home on guys. Uh, he's been really competitive. He's grabbed some contested rebounds, uh, which is something that this team really, really needs, especially if, if the two big guys are going to be occupied contesting shots. So, um, you know, he, he's been able to do that at a, at a rate better than uh, better than Torian Prince, at least by the eye test for me. I don't know if, if the numbers match up with that, um, but he's, he's just been a delight to watch, uh, in this extended role that he's had with Jane McDaniels out. And there's no doubt in my mind that once Jane McDaniels is back, that Troy Brown Jr. will remain in the Timberwolves rotation, not just necessarily because of what he's done offensively outright. He's, he's been making threes at over a 50% clip these last three or four games, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, just all the little plays that he's made, right. You talked about it on the defensive end and then some of those offensive rebounds and, uh, you know, just being a ball mover, right? He, he makes quick decisions with the ball too. And that's really important in, in what Chris Finch likes to do. So he's been awesome. Uh, he's exceeded every possible expectation that I've had for him so far. Um, you know, now that he's actually playing, I expected him to be in the rotation and he wasn't for, you know, for the first, you know, 15, 20 games, whatever it was. But uh, now that he's in, he's been awesome and, and, and really a huge asset for this team. All right. Two more quickies to close here, right after a quick word from FanDuel. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, check this out. New customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line wager. That means all you got to do is find the best money line you like. Wager $5, you win that bet, you're getting $150 in bonus bets back. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it. They got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And again, it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel, official partner of the NBA.
couple quickies to close here. If the Wolves can keep this defensive effort up, Jack, they're going to be one of the top blank teams in the West when the playoffs roll around. What do you think? Number one. Number number one. Sorry, I, I wasn't even taking a peek at you. Number one. Okay, number simple one. as that. Number one. Okay, I like that. Hey, they've beaten I, I, I just, all the top competition, so there's really no argument against that right now. Yeah, I just think that this team, you know, if you're the best defensive team in the league and you mm-hmm. also have, you know, a guy in Anthony Edwards is I think is averaging just shy of 26 points a game and another guy in Carly Anthony Towns is averaging like 21 points a game right now. Mm-hmm they're going to be really tough in the regular season. Um, you know, and, and they're just deep, right. You know, Ant's been out for a couple games. Jane, Jane's missed like almost 10 games now. Um, and they haven't missed a beat. Right. Um, so I think that, 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 you know, I, I, again, I don't necessarily think that the number one team in the regular season is always like the most formidable playoff team necessarily. I think there's sometimes they can be the luckiest team in terms of health, in terms of uh, scheduling, in terms of, you know, when they play teams that are missing guys, et cetera, et cetera, that can make a three or four game difference between what actually is the best team and them being the best team. Um, but just the way that they control the game on that end of the floor has been so special so far this season. Uh, it's really given teams problems um, really all season long. I think they're a really tough team to just come in and play on a random night, considering how deep they are and, and how they like to play. They just kind of like to wear you down and grind you down. Uh, we've seen that really in the second half of games. They've been an awesome second half team. So, um, yeah, I just don't think like the Suns guys are going to play enough. I don't think the Nuggets guys are going to play enough, even though they've done an incredible job of winning games without Jamal Murray, without uh, Gordon mm-hmm. for a couple games now with a heel. Um, and, and I just don't think the Thunder are going to be there um, uh, up there when it matters. And I think the, the Wolves and, and, the, and the Nuggets are going to kind of separate themselves from the rest of the conference here. Um, you know, over the next six weeks or so. Um, but we'll the see. Suns, I, I do sure, the Suns scary at all with Katie and Booker? Not in the regular season okay. um, in terms yeah, yeah. of them, you know, finishing yep. first since that, I guess that was the question. Yep. Um, but but they certainly scare me the most of any team that they could play in the, in the playoffs. No question about it. Um, just because the Timberwolves have really struggled um, with really high octane guys that can create their own shot. And the Suns have three of them. So, um, you know, they're a really thin team. They're really... Uh, not a very deep team. So uh, if they can slow down any of those three guys uh, in a playoff series, I'd like their chances, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I'd honestly say that the two teams that I'm, I'm most scared of of them playing in the playoffs are a fully loaded Suns team and a fully loaded Pelicans team. All right. The T-Wolves will have blank number of all-stars voted to the all-star team. What do you think? Uh, two. I think Ant will make it, and I think Rudy Gobert will make it. Uh, I, I just, you know, I think Carl got off to a tough start in the first five games, and I think a lot of times those first five games can be the most important five games, you know, in determining whether or not you're an all-star, just because mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to overcome a tough stretch right at the start of the season. Uh, historically, I think it's just pretty rare that, you know, guys get the, – the, the team gets a third all-star um, unless – you know, they're just absolutely, you know, dominating in the standings and, and they have three guys that are really just playing at like a superstar level. Um, yeah. And I just think that the Western conference is so damn good that there are going to be too many individual guys having amazing seasons that the Timberwolves won't get that third nod, even though I, I 
you know, you can certainly make an argument that, that they could, but um, I think it'll go to, uh, to Ant and to Rudy for, for what he's done on the defensive end of the floor. And, and just, I guess how much his impact has driven winning for this team. I think it's probably fair to say that he he's driven more winning than, than Carl has at this point. And that's not a knock whatsoever on Carl. It's just, you know, really, I think uh, a huge bullet point for, for how awesome Rudy Gobert has been this season. And, um, you know, I know his game doesn't necessarily fit what we see in an all-star game, but I think it's the the recognition and, and that type of thing matters. And um, so we'll see. But, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe they will get three. All right. The last one here, I'm going to give you all 60 seconds here. What's going on around the rest of the league? I always close with this one. Doesn't need to be just the West. What's What's caught your attention? I know the Magic have won nine in a row. That's kind of wild. They're going for 10 right now against uh, against Brooklyn. So they've been a ton of fun to watch. Um, you know, the Celtics really since that Timberwolves loss have, have been awesome. Um, you know, Jason Tatum has continued to, to be just exceptional for them. The Bucs have really found their standing uh, with that Giannis and, and Lillard duo. Um, so they've been a ton of fun to watch. And then, um, you know what I've really liked? I've really liked watching the Indiana Pacers. Um, Tyrese yeah. Halliburton has been, you know, arguably the best point guard that is not named Luka Doncic uh, or Steph Curry in, in the NBA this season. So that's been um, a ton of fun to watch. They had a game with the Hawks a couple weeks ago that was like 157 to 153 in regulation, which was crazy. Wow, that's um, crazy. <laughs> so that was that was a ton of fun to watch. And then um, and then I've just really enjoyed watching the Kings and, and Deer and Fox play. Um, they've been a ton of fun. I think they're just going to be a team that's like, you know, kind of like I was saying about the Timberwolves, where they're just a really tough team to play on, on a given night. Um, and then you're starting to see the Pelicans, man, really come on strong now that Zion's mm-hmm. playing. I mean, they're just a completely different team with Zion without Zion, just the way he sets the tone with his force and physicality and explosion. Um, a ton of fun to watch. So, um, yeah, it, it's and I think you're kind of starting to see things take some shape, right? Where I think, you know, the the top eleven teams in the West right now are going to be the eleven teams that are going to be fighting for that that you know playoffs and play-in spot. Golden State's eleven right now, and then everyone above them, kind of settling in. And then same thing in the in the Eastern Conference, right? Where where the the Raptors are currently eleventh at nine and eleven, but they're they've got you know two games of separation between them and the Hornets, and then. Uh, the Warriors have two games of separation between them and the Blazers. So I, I think the top kind of 22-ish teams in the league are set, and we're kind of going to roll off now with uh, the play-in. I don't, I don't know that the play-in conversation will be quite as spicy as it was last year, um, but uh, th- there's going to be one team on, on either side, I think, you know, left without a chair when the music stops. Um, and, and I think the the 10 teams that, that we'll have in the, the postseason on either side are going to, you know, really be, be entertaining now that I, I think that, we've kind of got a, a set, you know, group of, of, you know, 11 on either side that, uh, that really seem like they're going to be the ones that, that fight it out for the, the rest of the season for the playing and playoffs. Yeah. Well said, well done tonight. As always wolves win this one versus the Hornets, one twenty three, one seventeen. They moved to 15 and four with Ant and Jaden on the horizon, possibly as early as next week, as always, Huge shout out to everyone who joined us on tonight's postcast. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game. Same time, same place right here to break it all down. And quick reminder, go check out all of Jack's work up on Twitter at JRBorman13. That's going to do it for us tonight, though. Next on deck, it's the Spurs this Wednesday. Tip off 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Again, join us right here 
for the entire recap and follow all our work over on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. One more quick plug. If you haven't already, you got to go check out Ben Beacon over on the Lockdown Wolves podcast as well. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out.